episode of In The Vitrine. My name is Nadia. And this is Danny. And today we're going to talk about Max Mara as well as women in politics. Mm-hmm. So earlier this week, we had the privilege of having Ian Griffiths, who is the creative director of Max Mara, come speak to our students and hold a masterclass as well. And it was really lovely to have him. Um, he talked about Max Mara's history. He talked about his own journey with the brand that spanned 32 years. And I thought what was really fun about the entire presentation was um, all the personal stories he had to share, you know, about how he got into fashion design. Um, so a funny thing about him is that, of course, he used to be a punk. And he <laughs> talked about, like, you know, his punk days and going to the clubs, especially um, Hacienda in oh, Manchester. Really? So yeah. he was based in Manchester for a while? Yeah. And he said that, you know, back then he didn't really have to eat. I'm not sure how true that is. So he spent, like, his money on, you know, just dressing fabulously <laughs> and being fabulous and going to the club at night. Um, and so he talked about how, you know, maybe that's weird to think about the fact that he's with Max Mara, which seems very classic, very yes. conservative, you know, um, in opposition to his roots as a punk kid. And one of the highlights of the presentation was definitely him showing a picture of himself, you know, in like his full club kid glory. Oh, I haven't seen that picture. Yeah, so it was really good. And, um... A real treat for us was also that he had pulled out a lot of things from the Max Mara archive. So there's apparently a really amazing archive that Max Mara holds, you know, which includes like all the sketches that he's done or that like others before him have done for the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, they also hold pieces that are not only from Max Mara but from other brands as well, oh, like as Balenciaga and, and like all that. for reference or I think so. Yeah, and. Um, so it was really fun to listen to these stories and I especially enjoyed all the magazine articles he shared about um, Max Mara mm-hmm. because, I mean, as you know, I do research in women's magazines and yep. fashion magazines and I just love looking at old magazine articles and I feel that the images are always so magical. There's like this patina to them, you know, that gives them this enhanced magic. Um, so some things that were... Um, interesting in the talk and I've picked them out in my notes here was about how he used his architectural background to design around the woman's body so he so yeah. he was a punk and an architect architectural and... yeah, architecture <laughs> student and um, a quote that I think stuck with many of the audience members was that classic does not have to be conservative <laughs> which I thought was an amazing quote um, so in line with that, he said, you know, don't be fooled that the woman wearing classic is conservative. And I think that's really true because, you know, sometimes we look at someone and we have our first impressions. And, you know, I find myself to be quite a good read of people, I think. But, you know, we've certainly been thrown off as well, right? Sometimes people don't dress the way they feel inside or it doesn't really reflect what it is that they do. So it doesn't have to always be compatible. And um, Ian was also talking about how, you know, uh, what Max Mara does is that they don't want to make clothes that, you know, make the woman wonder whether you're thin enough or whether you are beautiful enough and things like that. Um, but to create clothes that allow women to be their best and also to do their best. So another quote to drop here is, Max Mara creates a wardrobe for doing things. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that there are actually any brands that do try to intimidate their customers mm. and the way that they look to make them feel like they're not thin enough or they're... Yeah, I mean, that's certainly what 
advertisements try to do, right? If we think about, you know, what Judith Williamson has written about advertising and um, who else can we think about? Um, John Berger as well, you yes. know, about like publicity and about how advertisements and advertising images are really about making us feel like we are not happy with ourselves and that if we buy and use what is shown to us in these images, we will be happier and we will be better and we're more perfect and things like that. So, so do you think then that Max Mara, from the images that mm. you were shown, was embodying that idea of not I think focusing what, on the women's figure? Or, I don't know. Mm. How do they do that? I feel like they try to create classic pieces, mm-hmm. you know, that they then... Uh, market as investment pieces. So, okay. I mean, the price point is, of course, still quite forbidding. Yep. But the idea is that, well, if you buy this, you can use it pretty much forever. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's comfortable. It's something that you should have in your wardrobe. It is um, not trend-based. It is something that will always have a place um, in your wardrobe. Yeah, so... You know, in line with that, I think then what Ian was talking about in terms of how he designs for each collection is the idea that they are not writing a new novel every season, but writing a new chapter. And he also talked about how um, even though he has these obsessive ideas about fashion shows because he really lives and breathes, you know, each collection as it comes, it's really about how when you take apart the fashion show, um, then what you're left with are pieces that are easy to wear and will last for years. Mm -hmm. And so in line with that, um, he elaborated that it's not really about just dressing the younger woman because of course they've had, you know, younger models and um, walk the runway yep. like um, I believe like Gigi Hadid and, mm-hmm. and people like that but you know they don't want to ever forget the older woman so Ian was talking about how like his mom still wears Max Mara um, and so he doesn't want to forget about the women who have been loyal to the brand who look to the brand for those classic pieces yep. so they will never want to um, yeah. yeah that's a bit about tr- that. that's a bit trickier when mm. when brands kind of grow older with their customers yeah. because then how do they stay relevant without alienating them, right? Yeah. And also this idea of like being a designer that writes a new chapter every season and not a whole new novel, it is what makes good brands and good design. Like for example, whenever you look at a Comme des Garçons piece, you feel that it's the same person talking every season. It doesn't feel like it's a complete opposite idea suddenly yeah exactly I think though um, what they've done really well is well I I was thinking of talking about two pieces that they have in their stable of um, looks Mm -hmm. so of course one of the most classic quotes that they have is the 101801 quote Um, I think that's the name (laughs) I don't know should I have known? Maybe I wasn't paying that close attention. I'm sorry, guys. So I don't really they, know what it means. That's how they market it. Like, it's the 101 in quote. Yeah, so I, I googled that and I did find the quote. So I think that's what it's called. Um, so they have that quote and they have the teddy bear quote. Mm-hmm. So to me, the 101-801 quote is what is the classic, is what people will think about when they think Max Mara. And then the teddy bear quote, which they made and was really successful when it first came out a few years ago, um, and they've re-released, or they've kind of like updated it. Hmm, what's the word updated? Well, they've released it in like different colours, like shocking colours. And so that's actually the last picture of the slideshow where they have these like bright neon colours. Oh, right. Yeah, so yeah. like in... They look gorgeous. In, 
yeah, turquoise and bright yellow and like, you know, this really um, in-your-face kind of blue. And yeah, so I think, you know, that's how they kind of maintain that balance, right? So they have what has worked for them. I mean, of course, it's a brand that's been around for decades now and you know they can kind of reach into their archive they can reach into history and they can reissue things that have worked for them that have sold really well but at the same time you know they will then kind of have to like push the boundaries a bit and create something new that will then you know become a new Max Mara classic so I think that's um, both um, a good thing for the brand and also a challenge, right? How do you remain relevant and how do you like innovate while also keeping true to your brand identity? Yeah. And I think they've done that very comfortably. Yeah, I mean, the clothes are not a spectacle. They are no. very, like, clothes that you wear. Yeah. Well, I don't own a Max Mara no, item. But I can imagine that that's what a... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why. Okay, why don't we talk about why it is that we don't own a Max Mara item? I think it's just that it's out of our our reach, finite, like you know, price point wise. Yeah, and I guess I never really associated it with anything. Like for mm. example, you associate uh Sumorichi. Like I'm saying, all these brands that I remember mm-hmm. were near to the Max Mara. Um, shop in forum in Singapore right and they'll be like for example Sumori Chisato it's known for cute prints mm-hmm. and girlish style and then you had like Emporio Armani which mm. is like sexy okay. <laughs> like <laughs> slick stuff and um, yeah I never really had much of an impression of what kind of woman would right and whether I was that kind of yeah, mm-hmm. and I think also um, in terms of like climate, um, what Max Mara is yes. known for with the coats, I mean, that just doesn't really gel with like our equatorial climate here because yes. we wouldn't think of buying that. Yeah. But, um, well, you know, it was really fun for us to have him talk to us about this. And actually one of the quotes that really stayed with me from the presentation um, was not from Ian himself, but he was quoting Camille Paglia. So I'm going to read that quote for you. Um, it says, for all the feminist jabber about women being victimized by fashion, it is men who most suffer from conventions of dress. <laughs> Every day, a woman can choose from an army of personae, farm to butch, and can cut or curl her hair or adorn herself with a staggering variety of artistic aids. But despite the 60s experiments in peacock dress, no man can rise in the corporate world today outside the entertainment industry with long hair or makeup or purple velvet suits. <laughs> so I thought that was really fun for Ian to bring up. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of also followed um, a question that he brought up within the presentation about how people always asking, is Max Mara going to have menswear? And he said, well, you know, there are very few things in the world um, that are only for women and Max Mara's not going to, like, take that away from women. So... <laughs> I thought that was a really smart answer. That's I mean, so cute. Yeah, yeah, like, let's just maintain our focus and do what we do best. Yeah. You know, and um, I also really like this quote that he brought to our attention because, yeah, I think it's quite interesting how when he's designing, you know, he goes beyond just like, well, what's going to sell? And he kind of have has like a almost philosophical outlook on, you know, the idea that the clothes are really aids for what women can be and what women can do. Yeah. Yeah, I feel so I like, like that. it reminds me a little bit about... I mean, it's only because I've been thinking a lot about Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette recently mm. and mm. reading up on it. 
And I remember there is that there, there's been some writing done about it, about how not only in the film, but in a lot of accounts of Marie Antoinette, they, they have started to look at her consumption habits and her way of expressing herself through fashion as a way to have some sort of like control or agency. Mm. And so because traditionally maybe women have not always had so much agency over a lot of things, the things that they have agency over are their appearance and um, the way that they maybe administrate a household or um, or how they kind of situate themselves in spaces that are meant to be for consumption because they are catered for women, right? Yeah. And yes, we're going through like a different time now, mm-hmm. but maybe some of these these ideas kind of still stick in terms of like men can do whatever they want, but fashion is just a realm where women have spent so much time developing um tools to kind of navigate and to express themselves that we have become very well versed in it yeah actually that's such an interesting point you brought up about having control through clothes because yesterday i went down the rabbit hole after watching the crown (laughs) um so the crown season four i believe um which has um helena bonham carter as princess margaret and she went on um, this talk show with Stephen Colbert, I, I believe, and she was talking about how, you know, after she played um, Princess Margaret, she really understood why it was that she tried to exert control over things because there was so little she could control mm. that whatever she could, she tried really hard to do it. Um, so that's actually quite interesting, you know, the idea that actually as human beings, we do want to exert control and sometimes it's really about things that may seem very inconsequential, but if they give us some sense of, you know, that idea that we are in charge of our own lives, um, it's something that we, we will hold on to, you know, like what you've you've talked about in terms of dress through Marie Antoinette. Yeah. Um, and all this actually has yeah something to do with the next point we wanted to bring mm. in, which is the fact that uh, women in power choose to wear certain types of brands, and Max Mara is one of the brands that uh, Nancy Pelosi That's right. chose to wear. Yeah, so Nancy Pelosi wore the flame rate Max Mara coat um, apparently from about 2007 2008 mm-hmm. to the White House 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when Ian brought this up, you know, he was asking about, you know, how clothes empower um, that the idea of, well, that this coat must have meant something to her yeah. um, for her to wear it to make her feel good, powerful, and confident and that it will make a real political point. So obviously it's bright red, and it contrasts really well with the White House. Um, It's because this kind of 1960s Jackie O line. Yeah, that's right. And she's wearing them with the glasses and the matching coloured pump. Yeah. And lipstick. Matching lipstick and large pearl earrings. Mm Mm-hmm. So, well, do we need to give some context, actually, for um, this image? So yeah, maybe you can tell us what Ian was trying to point mm, out with this. Yeah, so, you know, Nancy Pelosi was the House Speaker, and she had this meeting with um, President Trump at the White House about a potential government shutdown at the time. So this was, like, late 2018, I believe. Um, and, well, when I went to look um, further into 
when she had won this code. She has also won this code um, for Obama's second inauguration, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this was a choice that she made, you know, not like not lightly. She knew the impact of this and she was trying to make a statement about it, you know, like things are on fire or like, you know, I, I'm a supporter of Obama. I'm like, yeah. you know, really ready to like go to war. Yeah, yeah it's really, I. it's hard to, it's hard to kind of really picture it unless mm. you are in that position where you are about to do something very important. Exactly. And you have to pick something that, it's going to mean something for that occasion, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. And um, Ian Griffiths, you know, in an in an email statement about in New York Times, said that, you know, you develop an emotional relationship with a coat like nothing else in your wardrobe. I can imagine why Miss Pelosi chose to wear it for this important moment and I'm honoured. And I think, you know, what has always fascinated me is how women in politics use dress to their advantage, you know, about sending subliminal messages or just like, doing it outrightly. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the the reason they do this is because, well, whatever they're going to be wearing is going to be scrutinised anyway, yes. right? More than what men are wearing because for men, I think, like, you know, Camille Pagler Pug- says, there's not much choice. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to be looked at or what you're going to be wearing is going to be looked at, then you might as well make a statement with it. So this is definitely a good example. And... Um, there are plenty more examples um, yep. in history. So, for example, if we think about... Recently, hmm. I've watched um, the OJ trials on okay. Netflix. Yeah. And they had this um, lawyer called Marcia Clark. And the OJ trials are very infamous for how media at that time used um, representation and different types of words and uh, how they manipulated images to kind of sway public opinion. Mm-hmm. And Marcia Clark was kind of, um, they really went very hard on her for her dressing, called her like, they called her uptight and uh, and the way that she was dressed, they because it was so matronly, they, they really went on on her for her appearances and the trial was about everything else except the real issue at hand and mm. the, the Netflix series really shows that. Right. And they really went on about her hairstyle, the suit that she made, and to the point that she went to change her appearance mm-hmm. for the trials because she knew that she was under scrutiny the whole time. Mm. Well, another example I like um, in politics is um, Madeleine Albright. Mm-hmm. Um, so Madeleine Albright, um, former Secretary of State um, in the US, she had this exhibition called Read, uh, Read My Pin, Stories from a Diplomat's Jewel Box. Mm-hmm. And there's this really fun sort of video um, from the Smithsonian about her pins and how she, you know, wore different ones to say different things yeah. um, in all these, like, diplomatic meetings that she went to. And she talked about how, like, at some point, she just had fun with it, yeah. you know? Um, so if like her staff would also be able to like read her pins and see like what she <laughs> thought about a certain situation and you know people just also tried to like figure out what it was um, that was a take you know on issues yeah so that was nice and one of the my favorite articles about um, women in politics and their choice of dress is by Robin Given um, the Pulitzer Prize winning fashion critic 
who wrote about Margaret Thatcher's handbags. Mm. So I think that was a segue, sort of like an introduction rather, into like um, women in politics and their handbags. You know, this supposedly like innocuous thing that's very personal, but also it's like an object of fear, apparently, <laughs> for people who meet um, Thatcher because it's like, well, what is she going to have oh, in she her had arsenal? Oh, famous red briefcase. Yeah, you know, where like... all the new... Yeah, news will be, mm-hmm. be pulled out from. Yeah, so exactly like, you know, what will she be or what is she hiding? <laughs> um, what can be the consequences of what's in her handbag? So I thought that was really fun as well. And you were telling me about these amazing boots that Michelle Obama wore. I mean, oh, she was yeah. no longer in politics by yeah. that time. So she was promoting her book Becoming, yeah. which I love. So uh, obviously when she was first lady and Obama was in power, herself and the children were really scrutinized over what they were wearing and she's very fit and she has this like really toned arm so mm. she they, they will always point out things like this and she was always championing American designers like yeah. Jason Wu yeah. etc which but is such a great thing you yeah. know and I also like that she used to wear things from like J. Crew, for instance you yes. know so like affordable yeah. and she's like yeah why not if the dress is nice exactly. she also this really um, famous dress she wore from ASOS you know this like red checkered red and white checkered dress <laughs> so every time but she wears something it sells out that, that has such a connotation of like you know the 1950s gingham dresses yeah it's really cool and she so when she was finally out of the of the White House um, in one of these talks that she did with Carrie Bradshaw with remember, Sarah Jessica sorry, Parker sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh I'm just like yes, yeah that's Carrie Bradshaw <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, that, um, yeah, the actress playing Karen yeah, Bradshaw. She so wore this amazing off. Balenciaga uh, boot socks. Yeah. Like heel boot socks that yeah. were in gold sequins. And I remember. And with seeing, a yellow dress, no less. Yes. Yeah. And I remember seeing like a little clip of it online. And she was just like walking. And there they were like glittering. And her whole leg looked like it was glittering. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is she wearing? And yeah. it was such a fashion moment. Like, yeah. apparently they were sold out after that as well. Yeah. I like that she's not afraid to experiment with fashion. And she's like, I'm yeah. going to wear this because I love them. Yeah. And I look fabulous in them. She and I'm just so really boss. feeling myself. Yeah, she yeah. is. She totally is. What a great look. Very much so. <laughs> but also, it's so, it's so fun and it's so... Um, like, she can almost really be herself again. Mm, true. Well, she got a lot of flack for wearing shorts, right? When she went to the Beyonce concert or something. Oh, yes. Yeah, when she first, like, um, kind of left the White House. And I think another article that I've very much enjoyed was how, you know, she was talking about the fact that she was always wearing these, like, of course, new dresses, new gowns to, yeah, like you said, represent, you know, um, American designers, which was such an amazing kind of agenda I mean obviously she did much more than that in her in her time as first lady but you know the fact that she's thinking well how else can I you know use my platform to do something good for others so I thought that was always great but there was this article where she said you know um Barack Obama wore like pretty much two <laughs> two looks for the entire duration of his yeah two it. presidential terms and no one yeah noticed or something <laughs> so that was really funny it's like uh when the, for this year's Met, Kim Kardashian wore that amazing dress, mm-hmm. and Kanye West was wearing things from like 
mm. fast fashion or something. Exactly. Well, sometimes um, women in politics um, wear things that also start controversy. So do you remember Melania Trump wore this um, jacket with the words, I really don't care, do you? Yes. Um, it was apparently just a Zara coat, right? Or a Zara jacket, you know? Um, I don't remember that yeah. so much, wh- right. where it was from. But I remember we, we discussed it in class before as mm. well. And how, I'm sure she has like thousands of coats to wear. And the fact yeah. that she chose that coat cannot be an accident. That, no. Oh, you, you just forgot. So this was existed. when she went to visit um, displaced families. Am I right? Or was it displaced yes, children? I think after the hurricane, right? Yeah. Was it in Puerto Rico? It, it was for an event where she was going to meet people who had just suffered. Mm. She said, well, let me just take a quick look. Um, well, anyway, she said that, you know, there was um, there was just a jacket. There was no hidden message. Um, the spokesperson, uh, well, rather her press secretary, Stephanie Grisham, said this. Okay. Well, actually, she wore um, the jacket to meet with detained immigrant children who were separated from their families at the U.S.-Mexico border um, in June of last year. And so, I mean, how much more obvious can you get than with clothes with text on it? I mean, you know, sometimes you think like, well, you're wearing like a particular colour like Nancy Pelosi or you're wearing um, a particular pin that's just like an image of something. But when you have actual words, you know, that just is the message. I mean, how can you deny that that's how you really feel? Yeah. Yeah, it's just so odd. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you don't want her to think that she's so unfeeling, but at the same time, it's like, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I was really baffled by this, and I thought, can someone really be so evil? <laughs> I guess you can. Yeah, and she has a child of her own, you know, and, like, as a mom, like, wouldn't you be more empathetic? Yeah, or at least pretend. Or at least pretend, yeah, I guess so, you know? <laughs> So weird. But do you think women in power and politics actually have a responsibility to be role models even in the way that they dress or to reflect their politics or their points of view? I think, you know, it comes to the territory. I mean, you cannot, like, enjoy the perks of having that platform and also at the same time thinking, like, oh, gosh, you know, like, I don't want to be involved in this or, like, I do these things without a thought because it doesn't, yeah, it just doesn't go. So I think they do have a responsibility um, and it's in the end a choice, right? How you want to use that responsibility. I think it'd be so interesting to get a stylist who styles uh, political figures mm. in and like talk to them about it. Because I'm pretty sure I've heard, um, I read, I heard a podcast or I read an article about Hillary Clinton's whole campaign mm-hmm. and all the suits that she chose That's to right. wear, for and even campaign. the colors as well, you know, yeah. and what they mean. Also, yeah, and yeah. some people mentioned that perhaps it was that that alienated some of the voters who mm. were a bit more conservative. Or, mm. yeah. yeah. So for now, I think that's all we have for today. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, please follow us on Instagram where we put up images that relate to what we discuss in each episode. And also, if you'd like, do subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Thank you and see you next time. Bye.